Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of an actor's movies Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank Rockabye Alley on the Zoom call for God's sake! No, fuck it. Wait, no, I fucked up my lyrics immediately. Shut up. Going again. Rockabye Alley on the Zoom call slept through his alarm, so Jamie was bored. He decided to write this song to sing here to you. But don't worry, Ali, I forgive you. Thank you very much for your forgiveness, Jamie. It, it, <laughs> I, it, I, it, I can feel the passive aggression, uh, cathartic wave yeah, uh, radiate off you. Obviously, the, the, the way I'm showing my forgiveness is by immediately uh, casting it in record <laughs> of your transgression. <laughs> Uh, hello and welcome to Blank Spank, the show where we're chronologically reviewing... Oh no, hello and welcome to Blank Spank Season 2, the Hathaway Slash Away, where we're chronologically reviewing Anne Hathaway's entire IMDb. I'm Jamie Lockton, and with me as always is a slightly sleepy Al Gillespie. How you doing, Al? I forgive you for that mistake, Jamie. You screwed up that <laughs> intro, but I actually screwed up the intro twice, but I forgive you for both oh, of the times. Oh, see, Don't see worry. I, pro- I probably edited okay. out the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, I've been exposed! Uh, how are you doing, Al? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I work very long days, Jamie, and we record this at the more inconvenient time for me than you. Uh, in that, normally I... we record at eight thirty in the morning, and I have to kick my girlfriend out of bed. Um, uh, on a well, weekend. firstly, we on... know that you do that on weekdays anyway, <laughs> and uh, I will accept that. Yes, we are waking up early for you, but my argument would be that this being slap bang in the middle of my afternoon kind of it, it, it messes and, with the flow of my day and my argument with that would be for you to go fuck yourself <laughs> if you want to wake up at seven every more every weekend morning not every weekend morning once every weekend to record a podcast and kick your partner out of bed and see how that goes on a regular basis you are more than welcome to uh, do uh, so i am you... i am happy to record at 12 o'clock my time jamie i have no problem with recording a clock at 12 o'clock on my time on a friday if you want to do that let's do that doggy dog let's do that you want to wake I, up and do that let's go i, I genuinely don't think the vibe we need for this podcast is for you to be post midnight and me to be having just woken up and also to be fair i regularly do have to kick my partner out of bed when we're recording at 4 30 in the afternoon because my partner likes to nap sure there is a difference <laughs> about 4 30 7 in the morning half seven in the morning there is a difference. Uh, if we're going to build up this house of cards, Jamie, Jamie, here's what you did here. You pointed out the flaws, all right? I made a mistake. I slipped up. And you came in with your big dick and you slapped it down. And you went, look, I wrote a song. It's my gift. My, my talent to the universe is writing these parody songs. And, uh, you know, Jamie, you, 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 you begged the man with the big knife to try and come and chop off your dick. All right? That's my, that's my skill. I got this big butcher knife. It's great for whapping off willies. Look, it's fine, Alexander. I know you were up late trading game stonks as we all have been looking at the out of out of market hours and seeing how it's moving, seeing how it's gonna gonna happen on on Monday morning when the markets open back up. We've all been consumed by this. It is all it is all keeping all waking hours. Uh, so I fully understand. But we are now rich, which is great because we both invested in game stonks. 
Oh yeah, I, I did it years ago, and therefore I'm super, super rich. It's it's great. That's why I'm so tired. It's because of all the cocaine and blow I was doing. They're the same thing. Yeah, and um, you you are in fact you're you're that one guy on Reddit who's been investing in it for like a year and a half, and now has like thirty million dollars, right? I want to be I want to be real. Uh, idiots just sell their money. All right, I, I'm really harsh. I realize at this point they seem to all think they're the Joker and that they're doing it for a political reason. That's great. You know what's greater than that? Twenty million dollars. <laughs> I I really appreciate that you're part of the revolution. Fair on you, dude. Clearly, I'm a lot. I'm super fucking privileged and therefore an idiot. But I would say sell your stocks, which are worth twenty four million dollars, which you bought or pennies on the pound. Now I, I see. See, all immediately I want to go into why they're economically deciding not to because they believe it will force the price up higher. Uh, but I'm not going to be one of those guys that have been called out on Twitter every fucking day of the week for going really deep on explaining the stock market. So instead, what I will say is that I did watch The Big Short this weekend uh, in honor of uh, of the occasion, and that film's still great. Uh, but it also makes you uh, sort of remember that. Like, Steve Carell is not the good, like, is not a good person. The character he is portraying, because it's a movie, like, it's being portrayed as the sympathetic character. He's also still a hedge fund manager. He's still a horrible human being. Uh, so it's it's interesting to rewatch The Big Short uh, in light of recent events, uh, as I'm sure many people have I, been doing. I agree, no one that film is, no one that film is morally good. Um, Steve Carell's character is, is at hardest a moral neutral, I guess, in that, like, they are openly predicting against the stock but you know they are saying guys this is all gonna fall and they are they're not seek at least in the way i remember they're not secretly buying against it or celebrating the fact that they made a shit ton of money um no yeah th- that movie tries to get away with it by just having like brad pitt and steve carell really angry that they're millionaires <laughs> they're just furious at all the money that they've made they, uh, <laughs> hey they were already millionaires and you have ryan gosling in that film to hate you can easily yeah. hate ryan yeah, gosling he, yeah that, like they, they 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 get ryan gosling doing what he should be doing more of which is being a smarmy arsehole uh, and it sort of forgives the fact that uh, everyone else in that movie also sucks yeah, um, uh, Margot Robbie in that film, evil. Selena Gomez in that film, yeah. oh, evil. horrible. Explaining the economy, evil. Oh, no one, no. The economy's made up, guys. Yeah. Season means production. <laughs> no I'm one should really understand the economy. <laughs> no one deserves to understand the economy. The un- economy is ununderstandable. Um, is my is my position. Uh, do we have any other shit to do, or should we we sort of? I well, well I, 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 Jamie. Here's the thing. All right, before you came out and you went. Ooh, Al likes to sleep because he works from nine till eleven, weekdays. Uh, Look, it's not my fault. I, I was going to start the, the system. I, I was going to exactly, Jamie. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, there's no exploitation under capitalism. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Look, uh, I was going to start on the game stock stuff. Uh, in fact, I think my opening might have been better. I, I, I okay, no, no, no. Okay, before you look, I'm I'm willing. I'm willing at this moment to bet that I will not delete the first six minutes of this podcast, but I will give you the opportunity. Uh, to restart the podcast, essentially. I'm going to give you the opportunity to just start again. And if I think it's an incredible start and we want to carry on, uh, then then we'll go from there. Guys, the economy is made up. 
hedge fund managers are out there and they're buying up little podcasts and you think, oh, look, they're supporting my podcast, but they're not supporting your podcast, guys. They're betting against your podcast. And that's why what I need you to do to stick it to the hedge fund managers who are buying up small little podcasts like the Joe Rogan experience is I need you to invest <laughs> in Hank's Bank. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you might ask yourself, how do I invest in Hank's Bank? Why would I invest in Hank's Bank? Is Hank's Bank a good uh, podcast to invest in? And let me tell you what, my friend, you can invest in it for basically free just your memory space by downloading every episode that's right not right now normally i do this at the end of the show yeah you thought to yourself "Ooh, was this gonna happen at the start of the show yeah that's right doggy dogs you're gonna download every episode of the podcast and that's gonna stick it to the economy all right remember that time your dad told you you should invest in stocks but you said no tell your dad he's an idiot because you downloaded a podcast and you invest in your future this is the economic revolution jamie this is the start of a new future uh go to uh of course uh r slash uh podcast bets <laughs> uh, to, to rally the stonk uh, in our favour uh, we're going to seize the means of podcast production and uh, you know fuck those head fund managers who gave Joe <laughs> are Rogan are they head fund dollars. managers now head head fund. they're, they're all head funds fund. by heads fun, Ooh, no, funded by heads they're head funds they're, they're, uh, they're there for your head to have fun and they decided to give Joe Rogan 100 million dollars uh, rather than us 100 million dollars and I don't <laughs> like that now, Alexander, that was that was a great fun opening. I'm 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 really happy for you. And I, you know what? I totally would have sacrificed the first six minutes of this podcast and made that the opening of the podcast if you hadn't said the wrong name of this fucking podcast two seconds into it. We are Blanks Bank now, not Hanks Bank. So hello and welcome again to Blanks Bank season two, the Hathaway Statuary, where we are chronologically reviewing Anne Hathaway's entire IMDb. And I'm still Jamie Loxon, and still with me is uh, a clearly slightly forgetful Alexander Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Third intro. Seize the means of podcast. <laughs> Do it again. Blanks back every time, baby. Just keep on introing the podcast. Baby. Never talk about the film. It's too sad. Jamie doesn't like feeling feelings unless it's in Toy Story 3. I associate all negative emotions with anxiety. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, yeah, we probably should start talking about this film. Um, and there's probably a decent man to talk about this film so we won't do any of the silly bollocks we do normally but of course you know we are in the post-apocalypse and you know raccoons are taking over and everyone who doesn't listen to this podcast is dead uh because of the apocalypse that happened at the end of season one which happened because we didn't prove our worth to join the united states of space so now we are reviewing Anne hathaway's movies to galvanize humanity to fight back against the aliens you know there's other stuff you know the podcast has reviving powers so if you make someone who died because of the apocalypse listen to the uh, podcast then they'll come back to life also canonically uh joe biden and uh katie perry and tom hanks uh all listen to this podcast because they are still alive and able to carry on creating the things that we review uh so i uh, taylor swift of course canonically listens to the podcast because she was able to release evermore um all, all these fantastic celebrity people that we are learning listen to the podcast it's fantastic uh thank you for joining us as we are of course going to talk about this week uh broke back mountain from 2005 and I forgot the segment that's my part of it's my job uh, which is uh, of course top of the bops uh, so I'm going to google it right now uh, when did when did Brokeback Mountain for people who don't know uh, top of the bops is uh, the lovely uh, segment suggested by a friend of the podcast Lottie uh, where we will be playing a little clip of the song that was number one in the UK uh, at the time of release uh, of 
the film. And of course, I love this suggestion so much from Lottie and I respect it greatly, which is why I keep on forgetting to do my research beforehand. Uh, January 6th, 2006 is when this movie came out in the UK. Num- UK, <laughs> number one. If you want to, you know, just do anything to fill this time. Uh, oh, oh, Alexander, it is a classic. Don't need you anymore because I've got a song raring in my head. And it is Hips Don't Lie by Shakira, which we can hear now. And your erection, can't you see, baby? This what is that line? Is that like is that line? I can see your erection, or is it? Um, you know what? I'm not gonna look it up. I didn't know that that was a mishearing of the, of that. Uh, but absolutely, I can I can hear your erection. It's 100 my now uh, head canon of those lyrics. But an absolute cla- and I tell you what, number two uh, at uh, oh no wait, bald. Am I looking at? Oh, I think I'm up. Alexander, I think I might have lied to our listeners. No, Jeremy, we we offer one thing, and that's financial revolution and non-lies. Shit, Alexander, I lied to our listeners. They've just listened to Hips Don't Lie for no reason at all, uh, because it was not the number one on the 6th of January. Oh, no, wait. Oh, balls. Alexander, this is genuinely the worst part of the podcast that's ever been done, but uh, the first... Uh, number one crowned in 2006 was actually on the 7th of January, which means I do have to go back to 2005 to figure out what the number one was on January 6th, uh, which was That's My Goal by Shane Ward. So oh, you can song? listen to what that song? now instead. I'm not here to say I'm sorry. Oh, is that what I'm that song is? Okay. Up. Oh, no. I'm here to say my heart and soul. That's my ego. What song, man? Honestly, I've Were already you had to. Were you an X Factor fan? I was. I I used to. I used to watch a lot of X Factor, and frankly, you know, I've already had to edit in "Hips Don't Lie" into it. Uh, so I'm not. I'm just going to keep your version. That's that's oh, that's good enough. What um, are you? And and I do have to say, with the haircut that you are rocking right now, Alexander, you you are the spitting image of a 2006 uh, Shane Ward. Um, Jamie, what if I blew your mind and told you I'm wearing a hat? Oh, wait, <laughs> okay. He did, guys. Guys, I'm I'm fucking up left, right, and centre right now. Um, oh goodness gracious. Anyway, that was top of the bops. I'm sorry, dear listener of the podcast, uh, Lossie, to, to be so besmirching your lovely segment every single week by not doing my research. Uh, it is possible that I spent a long time uh, trying to come up with an anagram for this film uh, and forgot. Um, so we've done Top of the Bops. It is now time for our film context about Brokeback Mountain, which came out in the end of 2005 in the United States and the beginning of 2006. Um, many people will already know about this film, but to give you, uh, to, to get, you know, give a little refresher for anyone who doesn't remember, it's a, um, a romantic drama starring, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger, uh, as two cowboys who are, we'll get into this. Uh, uh can we pause Heath- there for a second? Can we pause yeah. there for a second? All right. Are you a cowboy? If you're just looking after sheep, um, are you a sheep boy? 
just, I mean, they I just, want, uh, <laughs> oh, just okay. want to ask, does the act of being a cowboy, how much does the act of being a cowboy relate to you looking after cows? Because we call a lot of people cowboys who don't have anything to do with cows, right? Well, what I, mean, I would... Logan's a cowboy film, but he's just an X-Man. What I would say is that they do self, self-identify as cowboys in the film, and that is good enough for me. Okay. I, just I don't, I don't claim there. to know enough if about I, cowboy if culture. If I, as a posh-sounding English person, were like, I'm a cowboy, is that enough? I, 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 okay, I realise now that I've accidentally wandered into the wrong end of things, and I'm just going <laughs> yeah. to Yeah, yeah. Just Come back to the right I... side of history. Come back to the yeah, right yeah, side yeah, of history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to be a cowboy, you can be a cowboy. It's um, fine. So, uh, yes, starring Keith, I joined uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as... uh, I guess the reason I was specificing around it is because uh, something I was going to bring up later in in the context. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Heath Ledger believed their characters to be straight. Uh, Uh, They believed they were straight men who... Uh, just, just really o- I, loved specifically each other. Uh, and sure. but, I w- but I want to throw it out. I think that's some 2005 bullshit homophobia. I think. Yeah, it, I think, uh, I think, yeah, that, I think the sexualities it's, it's, aren't. I think we'll talk about this more later. Yes. my viewing of it is, Jake Gyllenhaal in this one was definitely character. His character is definitely gay. Um, yeah. like he's primarily just interested in uh, male attraction. Uh, I think Heath Ledger is bisexual to some extent but is romantically just interested i think romantically speaking they are just interested in each other i don't think they've ever really been romantically interested in anyone else i do think sexually seemingly they they may have other interests uh yep well the um it is supposedly deliberately ambiguous as the this is based on a short story and the uh uh writer of that short story uh simply said uh, how different readers take the story is a reflection of their own personal values attitudes and hang-ups so she has never directly stated uh one way or another uh on these characters uh sexualities uh but it's been come to uh rather unfortunately commonly known as the gay cowboy film um but we will of course we as we have already discussed uh it is much deeper than that in its ex- exploration of sexuality uh also in this film is quite a crazy cast of people who yeah. either are already pretty famous or will go on Would to it. become famous yeah. um randy quaid uh obviously from um independence day fame uh and many other things plays, uh, uh i yes. think you'll find his biggest role is the parent trap of course also from the parent trap um uh, he appears in this as uh, an employer to both of them who um, uh, hires them as cowboys at the beginning of the film. Uh, we, of course, have Anne Hathaway uh, herself, who plays Jake Gyllenhaal's wife. We have Michelle Williams, who plays Heath Ledger's wife. wife and it's, in fact, uh, Heath Ledger's wife in real life. They met on this uh, on this set and uh, eventually got married, although got divorced uh, in 2007. Uh, we have Linda Cardellini, uh, who uh, I know who I know what Linda Cardellini is from. Uh, Scooby Doo, Freaks and Geeks is from uh, Scooby Doo, playing Velma and Freaks and Geeks. Uh, we have Anna Faris. We have David Harbour. Uh, we have Kate Mara, a very very also, young Kate Mara. I want to throw it out here something I find deeply hilarious. Um, this is the point in time where Anna Faris is more famous than pretty much everyone here because yeah. Anna Faris gets really high billing in the credits and she's in the film for I shit you not maybe at most two minutes of screen time oh, yeah. and yet she's, she's like fourth or fifth film. in the credits and I find that bizarre considering how much bigger a bunch of other people would end up than Anna Faris yeah uh, it is directed by Ang Lee, who also directed uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and Life of Pi. 
Um, it was a heavily, heavily um, uh, critically adored film uh, being nominated for Best Picture. Uh, it also won Best Director. It won Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, it won Best Original Score. And it won one other of the ones... Um, Best director, best... Oh, no, only won three. Apologies. Uh, best adapted screen, no, best original score and best director. Uh, Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal both uh, got nominated uh, for actor and supporting actor and Michelle Williams got nominated for supporting actress. Uh, this is famously the year that uh, Crash won best picture, uh, one of perhaps the most maligned best picture uh, winners of recent times. Uh, and in fact, I mean... when, when Academy uh, voters were uh, asked to review uh, some of the more controversial best picture winners uh, of all time uh, by the Hollywood Reporter uh, a few years ago. Uh, this did end up winning over uh, Crash, I would argue, uh, quite understandably. Uh, it also was a uh, commercial success. It was made Crash? on... Uh, I remember watching Crash a long time ago. Ooh. Uh, I don't remember enjoying it. Um I don't think uh, anyone enjoyed Crash, which is the weird no. thing. It, it's, no. it's like Green Book, which like I think... Maybe my mum enjoyed, but <laughs> other than that, no one really enjoyed enough for it to have ended up winning Best Oscar. Best well, Picture. but famously, your mum uh, is the biggest mover and shaker in the Academy Voters list. <laughs> yeah, Jamie, all right? In the UK film industry, it goes David Heyman and my mum above David Heyman, all right? <laughs> um, this film was made on just a $14 million budget, um, but ended up making almost $180 million in the box office. So absolutely was uh, an incredibly That's uh, what well-received film. Um, a stunk, all right, Jamie. The people bet against it. People said, "Oh, this is this film is overvalued. Let's bet against this movie." And then we all stunk to him. Watched it at the movie theater. Great um, economic revolution is coming. Uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit. Uh, obviously, it also got uh, a, a lot of uh, very bad faith. Uh, criticism from uh, the people you would expect to give uh, bad faith criticism. The only thing I want to note on that um, is that one of the groups that particularly complained uh, is a group that's just called Concerned Women for America. And I'm sure they're all horrible, horrible right wing people, but it's just a hilarious name. We're just concerned women and we're for America. That's all we are. We're just concerned. Won't somebody please think of the children is essentially all I think of when I hear that. Um, uh, but yes, it, it got terrible uh, backlash from uh, right-wing um, news outlets and, and media outlets, but fuck them, we're not going to talk about them. Uh, what we are going to talk about uh, is a story I quite enjoyed from Matt Damon, uh, which I'm trying to find. Where is it in my notes? Um, uh, originally, uh, th this was in um, sort of development for quite a while. Um, in 1997, in fact, was when the uh, screenwriter originally uh, found the short story. Um, and uh, given the um, nature of the uh Content, the uh, content of the film, uh, a lot of people were turning uh, it down, unfortunately. Uh, but originally it was uh, hoping to be cast uh, Matt Damon and Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, and apparently Matt Damon was speaking to uh, Gus Van Sant, uh, who he worked with on uh, in Goodwill Hunting, uh, who was the producer for this film. Uh, and he simply said to him, uh, Gus, I did a gay movie, The Talents of Mr. Ripley, then a cowboy movie, All the Pretty Horses. I can't now do a gay cowboy movie, which I mean, ignoring the 
terribleness of that statement. It's it. Like, what does he think he's going to be just typecast? I like the alternate universe where where Matt Damon's typecast becomes gay cowboy. Like, that's just all he does. Like, well, we're, do- we're doing another gay cowboy movie. We've got to go to Matt Damon. He's our one gay cowboy. Now, now Jamie, I, I know that statement sounds regressive now when we look back at it with our 2020 eyes. But what you got to realize is actually he's kind of woke there. When you think about it, what he's saying is that these ro- roles should only go to gay cowboys. Right? <laughs> he's saying that look, if a straight actor playing it once, sure. But a straight actor multiple times taking away from gay cowboys, not cool. Not cool, no. guys. No, no. Yeah, Matt, Matt, Damon, Matt Damon was way more work than we give him credit for. Um, <laughs> Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, secretly the most work people in the <laughs> Um Yeah, I mean, obviously there's lots to be said for uh, just the how monumental this film uh, was and has become an icon of gay cinema uh, as one of the first really big, uh, wide appealing um, gay love stories to be portrayed on screen. So much so that it was put in the uh, National Film Registry uh, at the Library of Congress, uh, which Mm. is uh, just for films of just that are considered relevant or historically uh, significant uh this is in fact now alexander the fifth movie that we have reviewed that has ended up in the national film registry in the library of congress do you think you can name the other four yes um forrest gump definitely yes i think apollo 13 is probably in there uh and let I'm fairly sure it's not because I, I I'm willing to accept that there were a lot of fucking films on this okay, list, let me, let me uh, and it's possible so, I missed it. So Forrest Gump, um, uh, Apollo thirteen, Saving Private Ryan, Saving Private yes. Ryan, yes, Saving Private Ryan, um, two. Okay, so we've got three. So we just need two more. No, no, no. Um, so Apollo thirteen is not on there. We've only got Forrest Gump and Saving Private no, no, Ryan so far. Sure, but you said there was five, not including. Bro- oh Martin. yes, yeah. Oh yes. So this is the fifth one. Yep, 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 yep. Two more. So, so there is just three more. Um, There's two more. Two more, sorry. Uh, okay, um, I'm trying to think back. See, I want to say like Sleepers in Seattle, but nope. I don't think that's in there. Um, which means also nothing else but Nora Ephron will be in there. So you kind of go to the other Spielbergs. Catch me if you can. Nope. Uh, Christ, it's not the, the bloody poster, is it? Uh, no. What's Again, these there? these are films that are believed to be deserving of preservation. It's not necessarily yeah, just sure a, a mark of movie. quality. I, I think there are some movies in there which are dumb. Yes, um, there is. There is one very dumb one. It's not not one that Tom Hanks or Anne Hathaway has been in, but there's one one very dumb one that I wanted to point out uh, afterwards. Borat Two has made it into the uh, well played, well played very soon. I don't know, Jamie. I give up. Who, who are the uh, Toy Story is is one yeah, of them the, yeah, uh, and in fact one which i think we mentioned on the podcast and was the first time we mentioned uh, the national film registry uh league of the Rhone. uh league oh, of yeah. the Rhone ended up in the national film registry in the library of congress uh but the, the one that i did want to mention uh which you know i'm not saying that this discredits all the other films that are in the national uh film registry but you know they are sharing placeholder there with uh the nutty professor so you know, maybe that brings down the quality of this list a little bit, or maybe it makes you really angry that some other things aren't in there. Um, or maybe you're one of these six just diehard Nutty Professor fans uh, who is in full support of that decision. Uh, so that is my film context. Uh, before we get into the plot, uh, which I think we'll go through semi quickly, simply just because this is not a particularly plot driven film, it is a character driven film. Um, so they're in. You know, there's, it's a lot more difficult to break that sort of stuff down and more likely we'll break that down in our uh, overall talking about the film. But 
we of course have to do Six Degrees of Tom Hanks. For people who don't know, this is our uh, Six Degrees of Separation game, or Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, where we have to connect this film back to Tom Hanks, uh, our season one star, uh, through st- people who have starred in films together. Uh, I have my one. I'm quite happy with it. Uh, have you I got one? I can get there in one, Ooh. but I Ooh. also want to know if I can get there in slightly more. Wait, you can get there as in there's someone in this film that's been in a film with Tom Hanks? Oh, Tom Hanks. I was thinking, sorry. Let me walk were back you were that. you getting to fucking Anne Hathaway? I yeah, I can Anne do Hathaway that film. in one. I can get to that. I was thinking Jay Gyllenhaal was also in Love and Other Drugs. And I was like, I can do this in <laughs> one. Fucking idiot, Jamie. Um, let me, oh crap. Give me a quick hot Okay, sec. I'll give you a second. Um, uh, I will oh, no, do uh, my ooh, no. oh? uh, I will do my no, one, uh, which, I, uh, which I do like. Uh, Randy Quaid is in this film with Anne Hathaway. Uh, Randy Quaid is also in Independence Day with Bill Pullman, who plays the president in that uh, film. And Bill Pullman is Walter in Sleepless in Seattle, the ex-boyfriend. I also known as uh, the most maligned, unfairly maligned character of all time in any of the films we reviewed. Yeah, you know, poor Walter. Who knew I was going to Walter in the musical? fucking Pullman? <laughs> Walter. Um, God, that musical. Oof, oof, oof. What a time! What a time! Go back and listen uh, to that episode. Anyway, that was a good episode. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to just like work my way through this in my head. Is there I will remind remind you of the people in this film? We have Heath Ledger, so you could go, you know, through the Dark Knight or something like that. You have Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, you have Linda Cardellini. You have Anna Faris. Uh, you have Michelle Williams. You have Randy Quaid. Um, you have Kate Mara. If you want to use House of Cards and Kevin Spacey. Okay, I can get there. Not as well as you did, but I believe I can get there decently enough. Um, so you go, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was also in um, Spider-Man Far From Home. Spider-Man Far From Home, um, in my head, I'm, I'm trying to get from Spider-Man Far From Home to the the post, and I can do that. I just forget how... Uh, I have no clue. How, uh, is I'm is, trying to get to. Uh, is he in the poster I want to get to? No, no. I know who I want to get to. I want to get to. Um. Okay. So Spider-Man: Far From Home. You get to. Uh. You get Tom Holland, who's in Avengers: Infinity War. Avengers: Infinity War also stars. Uh. The person who plays Scarlet Witch, which is one of the Olsen twins. It's Elizabeth Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen star also stars in Godzilla. Uh. 2014. Godzilla 2014 also stars. Um, how from Malcolm in the Middle? Uh, uh Brian, Brian Cranston. Cranston. And Brian Cranston is definitely in a film with Tom Hanks. I just can't remember which I, one. I don't think Brian Cranston is in a film with Tom Hanks. I think he's either in the post or he's in the background or he's in like Bridge of Spies. But I mean, I'll I, I will I will put you out of your misery and look it up. But I'm I'm not a hundred percent that um that he has appeared in a film with Tom Hanks. Uh, we have. Looking through, he was in Godzilla. You are correct. Um, he was in Saving Private Ryan. No, was Brian he? Brian Cranston. Oh, no, was not Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston was definitely in Larry Crown, though. Brian Cranston was definitely in Larry Crown. You motherfucker. <laughs> Brian, Brian Cranston was, was in Larry Crown. Yes, Brian Cranston was in Larry Crown. You're right. Fuck. I used. I've used. Oh shit. Because I think like two weeks ago, I used um, Tuco from Breaking Bad in Havoc. 
Uh, and and I didn't go through Brian Cranston to get to Larry Crown, the film where the worst thing he did was masturbate. Oh, fucking hell, that movie, man. That movie. Anyway. He's also The worst thing he did was be a dick. He was a dick to his wife in that film. He also really liked porn, but, you know, that's less bad than the, the, the dickishness. Well, I mean, no, but what she seems most angry about is the masturbating. Like, like I fully agree, but she's misappropriating her anger. Um, anyway. Misappropriating her anger. <laughs> this her is anger cultural. Back to look, her look says, as a fellow sensitive. masturbator, this is cultural appropriation. Well, you're right the only person who's allowed to be angry at masturbators is the masturbators themselves it is a form yeah. of self yeah <laughs> oh your mum listens to this anyway I hope not <laughs> again otherwise she's gonna go really, around, otherwise she's gonna really go around weird. thinking that she's bigger than David Heyman alright it would be weird if your mum didn't listen to this because she tweets about it all the time look either your mum listens to this and, and if that's the case I'm sorry or your mum's a filthy liar who tweets about liking the show. <laughs> and... Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. When one of us has 4,000 Twitter followers, <laughs> we can stand oh. here and uh, judge. But until then, mum, you're great. Don't listen to this podcast. We've told you many times. It's <laughs> the podcast. Oh, goodness. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's talk about this film. Like I say, I think we will probably... This this film itself is is takes place over 20 years and therefore presents sort of vignettes and short uh, sequences of how uh, Jack Twist and Ernest Del Mar... Um, uh, Jack Nasty. Holes can- <laughs> the worst um, line of this film. <laughs> Jack Twist, uh, more like Jack Nasty. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're, they're how they meet up over the years. So we likely will go through the plot uh, at, at a similar sort of pace. And then I say that and we're absolutely going to fucking relay the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Remember um, with Havoc where we were both like, we're going to do this in like 10 minutes and then we're just going to move on to talk about the film. And then we talked about it for 25 to 30 minutes. That was still quicker yep. than normal. Quicker than normal. Quicker than normal. <laughs> um, so, uh, Alexander, it is your favorite part of the show. So, of course, I will, I will pray silence. This film begins as all good films should. In a parking lot with two cowboys. That's right, guys. Buckle in. It's going to be a hot, wet, steamy ride. Uh, the the two cowboys go in. One of them, of course, is Jake Gyllenhaal. He looks like a bit of a dweeb. Right? He's skinny Jake yep. Gyllenhaal. Uh, he plays J- the, 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 nasty, the nasty half. <laughs> uh, and Heath Ledger uh, plays the um, eerily silent Ennis Del Mar. Uh, they are meeting with the aforementioned Randy Quaid, who, as I said, is just offering them a job. They've got to go up and look after his sheep um, up in the mountains uh, on Brokeback Mountain, uh, the the titular mountain. Um, uh, more like titillating mountain, man, all right? <laughs> um, I was going to say more something. I, I, I don't know what it was. Um, and I just give me a pen of paper. Something about there not being any boobs on the mountain itself. Uh, but I need a workshop. Um, it. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I could He's breaking up. the law, right? From the start, Jamie, this is really important yeah. to everyone. Uh, Randy Quaid. I, I didn't even realize this was Randy Quaid. But uh, Randy Quaid. Uh, yeah, he, he's looking chunky. He's yeah. chunky. He's put on some weight and he's got a lot of facial hair. Sure. And, and importantly, also, you know, the, the, the famous writer of the, uh, the song, um, Small People Can Get Stuffed. Um, <laughs> and uh, you got a friend of me. No, um, nope. Different different person. No, you are that's thinking Randy. of Randy Newman. No. You are thinking of Randy, Randy Newman. No, I'm thinking of Randy Quaid. <laughs> He also, did, he also did the score for uh, Marriage Story, right? <laughs> Randy Quaid. Um, um, so and we should say that this is 1963 in Wyoming. That's yeah, important. Well, and, a, and you can tell it's 1963 a, in Wyoming because, you know, we got 
We got trucks that they're riding. We got guitar plucking. Yeah, very we different got from people mumbling. Very different from current Wyoming. Um, <laughs> she's just Kanye West running around on an ATV going yeehaw. Um, but uh, honestly, I didn't realize it was. I missed this for some reason and thought it was set in like 1994. You know, most of the movie. Nope. Until I realized time was changing. And I was like, whoa, we're in the future? And we weren't. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Randy Quaid's like, look, there are my sheep graze on government land. There are laws on government land saying that we can't shoot predators during this time. But the predators keep killing my sheep. So here's what you're going to do. One of you is going to sleep with the sheep. You can't use any fires. You just get a little tent, pop-up tent. And then you kind of wake up in the night to check to make sure that no predators are killing my sheep. Uh, the other one of you is just going to have the easier job of just sleeping down by the tent and occasionally going to get some food and cooking breakfast. I know which job I'd want. Uh, guess what? Uh, the sexy, sexy uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, not sexy Jake Gyllenhaal, who's the other one? The sexy Heath Ledger gets stuck sleeping with the sheep. And no, he gets, uh, he doesn't, sorry. Jake Gyllenhaal gets stuck sleeping with the sheep and um, Heath Ledger has to uh, do house. Um yeah, um, there's there's a little bit of they they go and get a drink before they go, and there's a little bit of backstory about how um, Ennis Delmar, uh, Heath Ledger's character, had a rough upbringing and uh, and was raised by his brother. Um, but mostly they they go. We have a little, you know, we we have some wrestling, and and Ennis Delmar barely says anything, and when he does, it's really difficult to understand. My flatmate <laughs> insists that we have. Like um, you. Subtitles on during movies, and this was the one movie where it paid off to have the subtitles. Yeah, on. like, uh, I, look, I'm not going to say that this is my opinion, uh, but my girlfriend did say that, uh, you know, Heath Ledger's doing that thing that actors do, which is where if they don't pronounce words good, they think it's better acting. Um, and you know what? I, I, I wouldn't like to 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 make such a a, a bold statement uh, of a very good actor, Heath Ledger. But you know, I will say that it was difficult to hear his words every now and then. Sure, um, I, I think I, it's. More of a, a very interesting because obviously you have it also with um the other famous example. I think more famous than this actually would be, um, uh Jeff Bridges' in most films. But Jeff Bridges oh, specifically oh. in True Great Way plays Risa Cogman to the extent of yeah. the end of this film. I think he gets like shot in the jaw and he just shot rocking the Spoilers for True Grit, I guess, guys. Sorry about that. That's fine. He gets you knew you were going to get Brokeback Mountain spoilers, but apparently again, True Grit. Oh, guys, if you haven't watched True Grit by now, go back and treat yourself. All right, there's one. Yeah, so. Uh, Heath Ledger's character he's, he's much more quiet he's, he's very reserved is clearly the idea um, whereas Jack Nasty uh, well, just likes he, he likes wrestling <laughs> horses that's what he does he, he he's a rodeo cowboy or wants to be yes. a rodeo cowboy uh, his dad's more rich his, his dad hasn't thrown him out but sure uh, we know at this point that um, that Elastel Miles' father uh, died a long time ago um, and he was mm-hmm. raised by his siblings and then eventually his siblings didn't want him no more because they all got married yep uh, so so he, he's a lonely man who talks like this all the time and this so that he's lonely. And so they're up on the mountain and they're lonely and you, you know you know what? It, it, everyone saw it coming. Uh, one night, Ennis Del Mar, he's cold. He's out, he's out in the... No, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal's out in the... Um, in with the sleep sheep. No. He's getting a little cold. No, 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 no. You think he's running around. What basically happens is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's a bit of a dick. Early on, he's like... Uh, and, they, and they swap the, uh, early on they kind oh, of yes. swap oh yes you're correct yes they swap round they, so uh, it, it is it is Ennis Del Mar that's sure. outside um, and he's in he's, he's getting real cold so Jake Dylan Hall's like hey come on come in the tent 
um and uh then they funk uh there's there's obviously a little bit of resistance to begin with from Anastomar he's he's hesitant uh to do it um but uh then they have like really like passionate fuck me we're so attracted to each other kind of sex um i i wouldn't know what that's like but uh <laughs> Oh, wait, that's not really me. I was being, wait, I was being self-deprecating. I was, I was, I was, fuck. Oh God, I'm in so much trouble. Uh, uh, I was being mean about myself. I swear. Uh, Jamie's saying that he's not a good sexual partner. No one. Yes. The comment of no one else as a, a romantic or yeah. a romantic partner um, has been made. Uh, um, so yeah, uh, they went, then wake up the next day, uh, and uh, Heath Ledger makes it clear. Um, uh, doing that that, again. Yeah, he, yeah, they're not doing that again. It was a one-time thing. Short film. Uh, and they, and, and they, but they, the yeah, end. <laughs> end of film. Um, then they both say, like, uh, uh, also, I'm not queer, by the way. And he's like, yeah, neither am I. Um, uh, so the the theme of the uh, repression of their feelings and their their feeling that they have to hide this uh, is is immediately introduced. Um, they they end up uh finishing their their summer uh, oh, working they bone quite a few more times all right yes they, okay. keep, they keep having <laughs> sex uh and there's like wrestling at some point the uh the farmer the guy with the sheep shows up to go tell uh, jack nasty that jack twist I can go, but i'm gonna keep calling him jack nasty because we'll find out later um it comes to tell him that his uncle has like a cold or i don't know he's dying of something uh, but when he does, he pulls out binoculars and sees the guys just wrestling on the floor. And guys, we yep. know there's nothing more heterosexual than wrestling. All right. Super heterosexual. Yep. Uh, he then comes down, very suspicious, uh, comes back in a couple weeks and says they got to bring the sheep off the mountain uh, because there's a storm coming. Uh, but actually, he just doesn't like the fact that they're gay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right, right, weird, Randy. This man, you would have never guessed he was a bigot. Nothing about his character early on would suggest at all that he might have some bigoted views. Um, uh, so yeah, they they pull down, they finish their uh their summer of work together, uh, and they sort of just go, hey, might I see maybe you come down next summer? And um, Ennis Miles like, no, probably not. Um, I I, I got plans to go and marry my sweetheart, as you know. Um and uh and so they go their separate ways. Um, Heath Ledger does get married uh to uh, Michelle Williams, uh and they have two kids. Um, the next summer, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal does return. He he he's back there and um he wants to work. And Randy Quaid goes uh no, and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal goes oh oh that 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 sucks. Ah, has has Heath Ledger been around recently? And he goes ah. Not fucking telling you that. And then uh, he basically makes it very clear that the reason he is not hiring him uh, is because he is a bigot. Um, I think he says something like, I, I, I didn't. On yeah. Brookback Mountain, not for their bareback union. That's uh, one of yes. my anagrams right there. Just throwing uh, that in. Ooh. Oh, nice. Um, I think his specific words are, I paid you guys up there to uh, uh, to, to look after my sheep, not look after each other, or something like yeah. that. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, he refuses to hire him again. So uh, Jake Gyllenhaal moves to Texas uh, to, to follow his dreams of being a rodeo cowboy. Uh, and that's where he meets Anne Hathaway, uh, who plays Noreen Newsom. Uh, she is. Is she blonde at the beginning, or does she dye her hair blonde later? Does her hair blonde later? She's a brunette at the beginning. She's kind of like. I think she's at that point. 
she kind of just like runs around fast on a horse uh which makes the horse gallop fast i'm not sure quite sure what she's doing at the rodeo but they kind of hook up and um she's more forward uh, than he is but he's like it's also at several times uh jack nasty um tries to you know gently hit on some guys and even then like not necessarily hit on them so much as like buy them a drink and people are like i think people know jack is gay um, yeah or or suspect from him asking to buy drinks and they they clearly he's like no i'm not gonna no don't buy me a drink fuck you yeah um, no man buys a man another drink unless he has bad intentions <laughs> um and uh yeah so we we get a few of those scenes but eventually he does uh marry uh Anne hathaway and they have a kid um and i, and I think Anne it's hathaway's yep. uh dad uh owns a load of combine harvesters he basically has a dealership which supplies farms they're super rich they get a job there um but also you can clearly tell from pretty early on that the the family dynamic in the uh jack nasty jack twist household is uh very weighted towards the kind of uh grandfather and anna hathaway sort of things like that's where the power resides in the family uh and you know jack's not finding this satisfying um and he misses he misses uh his good old mate ellis so he writes ellis a postcard saying look i'm gonna be down in the area in the next uh couple months do you want to meet up and uh, get a drink sometime and uh Jack gets the uh, Ellis gets the postcard and is like, uh, I, I kind of yeah. The first time around, Ellis just gets the postcard and he's like, yes, definitely, I want to meet up with you, Jack Nasty. Yeah. Jack comes down. Uh, the first thing they do is just make out right in front of the house, yeah, right yeah. in front and, of his wife. <laughs> yeah, like like so that yeah they go go outside the house they get the make out and then um, Ennis's wife is like coming out to say hi and immediately sees them. These guys are like for people who think like who absolutely know they like are really trying to keep it all secret they suck at keeping it secret <laughs> like just immediately right outside his house um and so she uh she immediately finds out uh but does not say anything uh they come back in the house and like uh hey we're we're gonna go grab a few drinks uh might not might not come back uh you know you know you know how we get so uh so uh so that is the weirdest sound. there's no point at which Alyssa would ever be suspicious about me having drinks but if i was like yeah, me, Jamie, uh, we're back in London. Uh, you're in London too. But of course, we're just going to go have some drinks ourselves. And then I might not come back, all right? I might not come back. Maybe, maybe <laughs> me and the bros, we just have a couple beers and I just stay at Jamie's house. All right, well, I won't come back to you. It's fine. Like, she, she'd at least assume you're, like, committing a murder or something. Yeah, yeah, like, it, it's, it's a very bad alibi. Um, but yeah, so they continue their uh, sexual relationship um, with Alma, uh, Ennis's wife, now aware uh but she doesn't uh, like it jack quiet. nasty um jack keeps sending postcards uh she hides some of the postcards in newspapers which is maybe not the best way to hide a postcard um yeah um i believe at some point around this like uh jake dylan hall is like oh, i mean why don't we just like go and get a house like we could just go get a farm and we could live together um and uh i, I can't remember if it's it might be when... later no, i think, I think, I think some... it's here uh maybe around here basically what they keep doing is like after the first time they hook up um they start saying they're going to go fishing on brookback mountain um yeah. so they keep going back to brookback mountain so they can bring some uh, back together but where they first very met. specifically uh jake dylan hall is always visiting ennis he's always going up to wyoming uh and yeah. meeting him uh Rather than he's never coming to back texas. down to texas um, um it's, it's also important that like uh so a couple other bits i'll throw in here because like you said it's it's more of a character driven piece than a plot driven piece um a, a few other things sort of happen in the background 
uh, namely um, Michelle Williams uh, wants to move to a city. Uh, Ellis won't move to a city or like a bigger town, so they're kind of very isolated out there. Um, there's a weird bit where she's like, okay, also the thing which leads up to their divorce is she's like, hey, maybe put on a condom. And he's like, what? You don't want my... <laughs> you, you, he's effectively like, you don't want my seed. And yeah, she's <laughs> like, well, you know, if you're not going to look after the kids, then yeah, I would prefer you not get pregnant again. He's like, uh... You either get my cum raw or you don't get my cum. <laughs> <laughs> sorry um, for talking about that. I, I couldn't think of a less icky way to sorry, describe that. Sorry, Al's mum again. Yeah, um, please stop listening, uh, mum. Look, again, <laughs> if you came in for Brookback Mountain, like, unfortunately, there's a lot of sex. No, fortunately, it's great. But fortunately for talking to my mum, too much sex in this movie. I mean, I mean I'm mean, ve- i I'm very thankful that between uh, Havoc uh when which i had to watch with my mum uh i have now moved back into my flat with my flatmates uh so i could uh not have to go through that experience um i mean this love uh, is much more loving than have well this but there's as much violence but it's more loving love you yes know? it is it is much more no one gets love. raped That's um, the important thing. uh yeah no the 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 but uh portrayal of this relationship between uh jack and ennis is that it yeah. is uh, like really deep and emotional, way more than they are getting from uh, their respective wives. Sure. Um, At this point, because and around be- around this point, Jake Gyllenhaal, as I was saying, is uh, he suggests a life. Sure. He's like, what? What about we go and go and get a farm? Uh, Ennis Delmar firstly says, uh, "No, I've got kids. Fuck off." Um, uh, and I, 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 I love my wife. Uh, you might not, but I do. Um, but he also discusses that um, when he was a child. Uh, his dad went and showed him the dead body of a man who'd been beaten to death uh, because he was living with another man. Uh, which, you know, I mean, yeah, that 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 will cause you to repress your homosexuality. Yeah. Fucking hell! As it turns <laughs> out, uh, cycles of violence beget cycles of violence. Uh, it's not good. Really horrible. Um, but yeah, so that that sort of reveals a lot of why uh, Ennis especially is is much more hesitant about his uh, his yeah. feelings towards Jack. Ellis is um, repressed to the extent that he is himself like almost violently homophobic. We kind of missed over it at the um, the end of this the segment where they're on the mountain together uh, at the beginning of the film. Um, you know, Jack tries to be like, "Oh, we can be together," and he tries to kiss him, and Ellis punches him in the face. Yes, and... causes him, causes a bloody nose, um, uh, and and blood to drip all over his shirt. Yeah, uh, which I'm I'm not just being weirdly gory about. It's a specific plot point that comes back later. Sure. Um, um, Michelle Williams and uh, Ellis Demar after he refuses to, after she refuses to just take his seed. Um, like, ah, it's gross. Take a semen. Semen is better than any of the words you so far. <laughs> between cum, seed, between cum, seed, and semen. Semen is the one your doctor uh, would use, and I'm, therefore, I'm gonna go with. Better. I'm gonna go with cummies. No, no, <laughs> no, no. I refuse. Um, the yeah. So they get divorced. They get they get divorced. Um, um uh, they Jack. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal hears about the divorce uh, and just fucking hightails it to Wyoming. Wee. He's like, "Fuck yeah, baby!" Um, uh, and he meets Ennis and say says again that they should live together. Um, uh, and he disagrees. Also, he wants to hang out there and then. Uh, and Ennis says he can't because he's with his kids and he only sees them once a month. And he missed the month before, so he wants to spend time with his uh, uh, with his kids. Which is uh, a so, you know decent enough reason. Yeah, no, that that's that's pretty fair. Um, 
Uh, and uh, so I think it is around this time where uh, Jake Gyllenhaal goes to Mexico um, to to find solace in uh, in male prostitutes. Um, yeah, which is uh, why I think uh, Jake Gyllenhaal insisting that his character is not gay at all is um, yeah, he's, he's not gay except yeah. there's one guy except for the fact that he goes to seek. He literally says Met- later in the film that he men. needs he, that like. He needs to have sex, and specifically, he wants to have sex with men. Um, yeah, which you know, I, I think I think it's actually around this like point. Yeah, I think I think it's around this point where he is just like, you don't get it how I do. You'll find you like you don't get it like I do. I like I need it, and and yeah, it's, um, a, li- it's a little bit later, but yeah. Um, so they then uh, a couple things happen, kind of um, in sequence. Um, they kind of stop hanging out for a while. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, there, yeah, so about three things happen. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal kind of doubles down um, on his life with his wife. His wife does ha- her hair blonde. He becomes a... Uh, he's he's and getting it, it richer does, and richer. It doesn't... I, I will say this now. It does not suit Anne Hathaway. Blonde blonde looks weird on Anne Hathaway. It um, is weird. Um, we have... Uh, Anis uh, starts to... Anis briefly goes to visit his ex-wife, who's now remarried, and is married yep. to the uh, owner of the store she used to work in. Um, they... They have the, a fight. I think she confronts him about his relationship with uh, with Jack Nasty. Yeah, uh, and bits. that causes him. One, one is she's yeah. like, uh, yeah. So I uh, used to go fishing with Jack Nasty, but uh, you know, I put one time put a put a little note on a hook of your fishing rod saying, you know, catch me a big fish because you never brought us back any fish. And guess what? When you came <laughs> back, I found that note hadn't even been removed, proving <laughs> definitively that you had sex with this man. And she's like, yeah. Jack Twist, more like Jack Nasty. <laughs> it's such a bad line. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, terrible line. Um, there is also a bit earlier in the film where he's leaving on his fishing trip, and she goes, "Oh, are you forgetting something?" And he comes back, and he's left all his fucking fishing shit on the table. Again, these guys are terrible at hiding yeah. their secret. Like their one, their one thing is like, "Well, we'll just go up and hang out on a mountain." But other than that, I mean, so fucking fair game. She then proceeds to tell him this. Uh, Ellis is like, "I'm going to ruin Thanksgiving by almost beating you up." Like he. he he wants to beat her up like he grabs yes, he, her he, he yeah he grabs her pulls back his fist but doesn't uh uh doesn't actually punch he uh yeah. storms out the house his kids like going daddy where, where are you going goes to about he walks in the middle of the road a guy stops his car and is like hey what are you doing idiot he then proceeds to pull the man out of the car and then beat the shit out of him yep yep just you know uh, back do. in the uh the jack nasty household um jack nasty's uh father-in-law um decides that he will be the one to carve the turkey uh and jack's like fuck this shit no one is yeah. carving my turkey he's had enough <laughs> this might be yeah, later he's had film, i don't really care but he's like decided yeah. this is way too much yeah um, he like he also keeps on wanting to the dad wants to keep on putting on the tv and uh, oh my grandson's gonna watch football <laughs> and i was like well no we're having dinner so like Mom took my it. Wife, my wife has asked him to turn it off, so... Yeah, so maybe... <laughs> no, wait, you want to... You want to... Where's a real man? A real man watch football. Uh, and Jake did all yeah, It's just like, no, Jamie, fuck you, old man. That performance was just so good. Like, normally oh, you do normal voice acting, but this time that was that was really good voice acting. Oh, thanks. Oh, shucks. Um, um, so, yeah, he gets really angry uh, and, and basically... Got like says fuck you old man yeah. um this is my house um again uh, uh, ellis starts dating uh linda carlini Anna Faris. oh no linda carlini you're right yeah, yeah yeah um 
So, uh, you know, they like each other. She's in a bar. This is why I would suggest that, and again, I might be massively off this. He may, but like, I, I maintain, I think his character is, is bisexual. That like, at least, at least within the film, he seems to be shown to enjoy the company of women much better, much more than Jake Gyllenhaal's character yeah. does. Jake Gyllenhaal is, is kind of suffers through it to some extent. Like, or at yeah. least only seems to want to have sex with her and whatever. Um, they then, sorry, back in the, uh, nasty household um they then go to like a kind of local um like dance uh at the dance anna faris is there again for for the literally 30 seconds anna faris is in the film she talks a lot um yep uh, she's she's married to david harbour yes um, david harbour shows up in this film and i was like is that david Har- like david Harbour? Yeah. <laughs> 15 years before david um, was a thing 10 years uh they they are the the girls have a chat uh, and then uh, they they like pull each other to have a chat, a way to have a chat. And then uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and David Harbour have a little chat. Uh, and David Harbour's just like, "Hey, uh, maybe you uh, want to go uh, want to go fishing sometime." Oh, whoop, our wives are coming back. Hey, how you doing, ladies? Um, I I don't I does does that plot point ever really it, come it does. up again? It, 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 does, it? it does come okay. up again. In a okay. Very sad way. Um. So we then see basically we then enter the end of the film. Um. We see uh Ellis and um, uh Jack uh go fishing one last time. They have a lovely week. They have horses and stuff. Um. Ellis tells Jack that he won't be able to uh, make the next trip because he has to take. Um, he, he can't take any more time off work yeah basically he took all his holiday time to take this off he won't be able to get any more time off until November and because he um, like he has to pay his child support he can't miss a child support payment and because of that he can't just like quit his jobs like he used to back in the old days um, yeah. Jack's like look you, you could have told me this anytime you started telling me now it's really shit um, I can get sex anywhere uh, you you think I like it's this is the bit you were mentioning earlier you think like it's not the same as for you like I'm not satisfied just waiting for these trysts every however often I need to have it um you know like I, I, I if I can't have it I'll go get it and it's at this point uh isn't this also when we get the line the line of like why can't I quit you Jack or something like that yeah yeah that, like pretty um, well Ellis kind of breaks down. Um, and Ellis is broken down like twice in the movie. The first time was after they first left Brookbank Mountain, where like he left and they he hadn't said anything to Jack, and Jack went and Ellis goes to find an alley near the the farmhouse and just like hits a wall, like punches a brick wall and like screams and cries. And this time too, he also breaks down. And he he's you know just a ball of emotions. He loves Jack, he can't, but he's afraid of living with Jack, and Jack wants to live with him, and he they, they just can't do it, and it's not working. And um, Jack drives off. Uh, it kind of fades to black. We have a brief meeting again with um, Linda Cardellini. It turns out they've broken up. It's, it's sometime in the future. All the way through this, we've been seeing the you know the the their children grow up. We've been seeing uh, the characters age. It's it's kind of twenty years later now in the future. Uh, yeah, Cardellini. and it, we we've still got a twenty three year old like Heath Ledger and Blame some. I don't know how they're doing it because they're not really. They just like stick some fucking sideburns on both of them and somehow they do suddenly look forty. I don't know it's, what they're doing. What I found interesting is like for a long time I was like, oh, they don't look older <laughs> at all, and then at the end of the film I was like, wow, you do look older. They're they're doing a lot of like makeup to kind of like accentuate like wrinkles and stuff. Um yeah. So good, really good makeup on this. Uh, but uh, yeah, they then. 
proceed to Linda Cardellini's like, he's like well you know I wasn't much fun Linda Cardellini's with a new boyfriend she kind of cries when she sees him goes to be with him and like dude you freaking ghosted me that that was shit and he's like well you, you know you're with this guy now that's fine and anyway it wasn't like there was any fun and she goes uh, you know unless you clearly know nothing about women women, do, women don't like um, fall, in, fall love in love with fun, fun. Oh, with fun. I thought it was falling in love for fun. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> um, he then goes home. Uh, at this point, I think this is where we enter the, the very sad end turn of the film. Yeah. Um, I can't remember how he finds out. He receives a postcard uh, that he'd sent to Jack, um, to uh, Jack Twist, uh, and it has been returned to him, uh, stamped with the word deceased. Um yeah. So so he has discovered that uh, Jack Twist has died. So he calls Anne Hathaway uh, to to be like, hey, um, I'm I'm Ennis Delmar. I, I, I knew Jack. Um, and, and Anne Hathaway kind of does a little like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he used to talk about. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sort of aware who you are. Um, and uh, Ennis is like, I, I'm just really sorry to hear. Uh, I just wanted to know how he died. And we get a, a really fantastically directed and acted sequence uh, where Loreen starts to say that Jack was uh, driving his truck and uh, he ended up having a flat tire. And uh, while he was trying to change the tire, uh, the hubcap came off and smacked him in the face. And uh, by the time... Um, by the time he was found, uh, he was already dead. He choked on his own blood. But while this is being uh, described to us, uh, we are getting interspersed of shots that reminisce us of the man we saw earlier who was beaten for being gay. We see shots of Jake Gyllenhaal being chased down uh, and being beaten. Um, now, I subsequently found out that this I, I don't know how your feelings were. Uh, I found out and read that this moment was supposed to be ambiguous, or at least some people interpreted it as ambiguous, being unsure about whether Lorene is telling the truth or whether the whether the images we are seeing of Jake Gyllenhaal's character are just Ennis's thoughts and feelings. Uh, my, my immediate reaction was that this this scene is taken at face value, and that yes, he was he was beaten and killed in a in a bigoted um, incident. What what were your feelings? Um, yeah, I hadn't actually thought of it as a until you said like until we kind of until you you were kind of describing the kind of separation between the narration and the visuals. Like I hadn't really thought of it as non literal. Um, I think that, I think that plays into a. Uh, more complex reading which i like which is that like it sort of doesn't matter because because his partner has died and he will never he will never be uh, know what happened yeah like, uh, apparently even anne hathaway was uh she was directed and gave two different takes once where she was believing she was telling the truth and once where she was lying and then they cut those two uh, takes together. Yeah. Um, now, like I say, I, I I agree with you on my first on my first watching. I took it at fully face value, uh, but it is an interesting reading that those images could just be conjured in Ennis's head. Um, uh, but I will say that the the performances from both Heath Ledger and Anne Hathaway in this scene are, are incredible. Uh, yeah. There's just so so much 
just being done with eyes and face and so much being unsaid which is which is just a testament to how talented both of the actors are she then um, says that uh, his ashes are with his uh, mum and dad, although um, she knows that he had he had requested that his ashes be spread at uh, Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain. Um, it is, and she says she didn't know where that was, and Ennis says that uh, that was where they those two met. Um, and you see an immediate realisation, or, or not even realisation, more a confirmation of her fears yeah. uh, wash over Anne Hathaway's face. That, I think um, that's why I took it that, like, he was killed, I think, was, yeah. was the sequential stuff in the scene, where, things like that, where, like, she clearly knows who Ellis is, she has an idea of, the, her, it, like, his relationship with, her, with Jack, and I think because of... I always felt in Anne Hathaway's performance that she was like very traumatized by the thing. It yeah. wasn't just that he had died; it was like there was it was more, it was traumatizing more than shocking. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So she she has that uh, sort of confirmation and real, slash realization, uh, but she sort of swallows and then just says, "You know, I'm sure that his his parents still have the ashes. I'm sure they'd appreciate if you went up there, uh, and and you know." honored his last wish if you know where broke back mountain is because i don't um we then uh yeah get ennis going up and meeting jack's parents uh again in a in a lovely lovely is the wrong word but a, a really well directed and acted scene of of things being unsaid um where it's quite clear that both the parents also know what has gone on between ennis and jack but the dad is less happy about it and the mum is a little bit more sympathetic so he comes in and the mum is is offering support to to ennis and uh and and reassurance uh she even offers and says he can go up to uh to jack's room uh, this is also kept. where the so you know you mentioned towel does that guy ever come back up but is that the plot never yes dropped so at this point uh the dad's like when ellis you know after you guys stayed up in the mountain ellis would always come back and uh, no, sorry, jack, jack would always come back and say that someday he and his friend uh he and you were going to come back and fix up the house and then live here oh is and that keep, is that supposed it, to be david hop and then he says he did it with another it, guy yeah, yeah eventually last time he came he was talking about some other guy um, and he's like trying to like s- like put in the screws. My yeah, assumption no, that. was that it could be anyone, but yeah, like the only it other could person. Be anyone. It, it would make it would make sense if that was David unless Harbour. it's one of the prostitutes from Mexico. Like that, you know, that could happen too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, that 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 could could very easily be David Harbour. You're correct, although I don't think it's expressly stated. No, it's not. It's, it's not. Explicit. Um, uh, so yeah, he goes up into Jack's room, uh, wherein he finds. I told you it would come back. That bloody shirt. Uh, he finds the shirt, which has the the blood on the sleeve from when he uh, punched him in their first time and broke back. Uh, and he decides to take that with him. Uh, the mum uh, sort of wraps it up for him. Uh, and the dad says that he can't take the ashes. Uh, the dad wants the ashes to go in the family plot. Uh, and therefore, he he's not going to give Jack the ashes and not uh, not going to give Ennis, sorry, the uh, ashes and not let him uh, spread it on Brokeback. Um but again, never expressly, ju- just saying that he wants him on the family plot, never expressing what is quite likely the reason that he disagrees uh, with his and Ennis's, uh, his son's and Ennis's sexuality. Um, uh, so we then get the final scene uh, where we now have a grown up um, 
uh, version of <laughs> version. Uh, Ennis's daughter has grown up, now played by uh, Kate Mara. So we have a uh, 19-year-old Kate Mara alongside her 23-year-old dad, Heath Ledger. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very sad funny. scene yeah. um, um uh she says that she's engaged um and wants his blessing and wants him to come to the wedding um uh and then when she leaves uh we get uh a, a sequence of heath ledger going up to he's now living in a just a small uh what trailer. would you call it a trailer uh, uh out in the middle of nowhere um and there he's got uh jack's shirt that he took uh hanging there plus a postcard of of brokeback mountain tacked there uh and he just sort of stares at it teary-eyed and then says uh jack i swear um and and then we fade to black the it's it's not just jack shirt isn't it It, it, I i thought it was jack shirt over the top of his shirt which he wore then yes it probably is it probably is both shirts you are correct um, or maybe it's multiple of Jack's shirts, or something like that. Either way, it's it's a it's a shrine to the memory of of Jack, um, uh, basically. Uh, and yeah, so that that is uh, the end of the film. What what did you think about this film, Alexander? I really liked it. I mean, like it, it's it, we have this every time we come upon a, a universally critically adored film uh, on this, where it's sort of hard to talk about it because it's like if you want to see people with more interesting takes on this, please Google the internet. Um, it's oh, shit. Fuck, I've never Googled the internet before. Oh shit, Google. Oh internet. wow, this is crazy. What? I didn't know this existed. Whoa, what should I look up first? P O R N. Yeah, look, it's it's. I I think the the things I will I will offer on it as a view are. Although obviously my take on this film is the least interesting take like for a bunch of reasons but um it's what i will offer the view on then is time which is looking at this 16 years after it first came out um what can we take away from it in 2021 and i think the things which i find it interesting are like some of it some of it definitely feels aged um specifically like the fact that people were felt shocked by this film that there was a uh, the, the yeah definitely the fact that like, most people know this movie despite most people not having seen this film yeah is and like like i fully get that the social landscape was very different but this is a very good film but it's not telling uh, uh other than the fact that the two main characters happen to both be men the idea of a love relationship where they have to hide what their love is is a tale as old as time it's fucking romeo and juliet for god's sake obviously yeah. the 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 themes and the political landscape that they are discussing is something new but it's it's yeah i'm i'm not saying that to denigrate this story like no, it no, is no, a land no, story not. but it's it's not something that people should be surprised it, by or thinking it is 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 anything that's I out think, of the norm i think it's a uh, sad condemnation of 2005 of yeah. that like that people felt this was shocking um but like, having said that it was a very critically ad- uh, adored yeah. film and and a commercially successful film so yeah. so, so fantastic there, there is there is that, <laughs> that there was a, a story jake gyllenhaal told recently where he said that um he and heath ledger had been asked to do a skit at the beginning of the oscars that year um to like kind of make fun of program mountain like there gonna be some like gay cowboy jokes in it to which yeah. he, he was like jake gyllenhaal was like i was like yeah sure whatever but to which he said, like he was like, no, like this, this is, 
that love was not a joke for me. This is not a joke. Yeah. And like, actually, I really appreciate that Heath Ledger, all the way through, talking about that movie, always always talks about it with the, with the utmost seriousness. Like yeah. he never, he, he, I think Jake Gyllenhaal maybe made a couple of gags here and there. Like, it's it's never like I don't know Matt Damon saying I'm not going to do a gay cowboy film. Um, I think someone asked him. Uh, this is pretty awesome. It's Wikipedia. Someone once asked him, you know, like, are you afraid of being typecast in controversial roles? To which he said, "This isn't a controversial role. The only thing I'm no. afraid of in this movie is that I might not be mature enough to do the role." Yeah, and I, think, I mean, and everyone actually, in this film is so young. Yeah, like, and that's like, maybe my only criticism of it is that I, I love Heath Ledger's performance, except when he really pushes the emotion. So those mm. moments when he's like punching a wall or when he um at the end where he's like crying on Brookbound Mountain with uh Jack, I it's not that I just like the the end result of the emotion, but the the journey you can see him go on as an actor to get there, like I, I can see that. It doesn't it doesn't hugely feel organic in that sense. Because mm. it's so explosive, I think you can kind of see the I'm an actor trying to act and just a little bit of those moments and that for me is where I think this holds off from being one of my like for for being a, a five star film for me spoilers is <laughs> I think some of those moments are a little bit f- f- not necessarily forced but like the acting feels a little forced. Yeah, I mean, I I I would agree that he definitely plays the the more the the parts where he's clearly repressing emotions better than when he's expressing them um but i think there is there is a lot going on in that like repression that i think is really really good in this performance yeah. no no i definitely and in general what i really like about this film and and i think it absolutely deserves the script and the direction as well uh, the 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 oscars it got for those and it deserves best picture in my opinion over crash um i don't know what other films were nominated that year but um what i really like about this film in a film that is about two characters uh that that have to feel like they have to hide something so much of this film is subtext like it, it just so many of its scenes are just so deeply entrenched in subtext and it very rarely allows itself to let that subtext become text much like the characters in the films themselves because those characters very rarely feel like they can express their full emotions and so the film itself masterfully does that in loads of scenes like the the two I, i'm specifically referencing i've already talked about the the phone scene with anne hathaway and the the scene with the parents i thought were just incredible films of so much being unsaid and that being just the the perfect exploration of the themes and the characters themselves being explored through the medium of film and and i really really liked how how that and and it required incredible performances and and yeah i and and i guess because as uh i'm saying so much that the subtext is what is so great probably lends credence to your argument yeah. that when that becomes text maybe it misses a little bit more yeah um, and I, it's it like i think like you said like i think these are brilliant performances i actually weirdly by the end i think liked jig Hall's performance maybe a little bit more which is weird because actually i when he when he's being repressed i love um, Heath Ledger's performance a lot, um, 
But no, it's, wow, it's, it's, guys, it, guys! Al just said it. He loves Heath Ledger being repressed. He Al Al loves repression. He said uh, it. I, I'm I'm not misquoting. <laughs> so when we talk about uh, these kind of movies, we obviously rank them based on uh, three criteria. Uh, we decide uh, it's uh, the, 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 movie the film out of five. rating, film rating out of five, and Hathaway's Hathaway. performance out of five. Uh, the uh, Anne Hathaway, uh, America's Sweetheartometer. How much of America's Sweetheart was Anne Hathaway in this film? And uh, I, I think that's an interesting question in this one. Um, we then, of course, have Anne's Mans, our ranking of Anne's um, love interests across her movies, uh, which again, I think is a very interesting one for this one. Um, and then we, of course, have the Hathaway stash away. Uh, are we going to stash away this film in order to uh, galvanize humanity to fight back against the aliens? Um, so, uh, just starting on on film, I'll go first. Of course, we know that I give uh, point ones. You you will only give whole numbers because you're a purist. But I will give point ones. Uh, the the, <laughs> the highest I've given so far has been four point seven to the cat returns. Jesus Christ! And I think you really the more like this cat movie, man. Yeah, the more cats. like having now watched uh, a an a, <laughs> not not that the cat returns was bad, but an actual very good critically acclaimed movie. Um, I think four point seven might be a little bit high for the cat movie um but uh with that i think i do have to go higher than the cat returns for for this uh which is going to cause me trouble uh when whenever i watch a good really good movie and i just have to be like well i can't be less than 4.7 because i gave that to the cat returns um but i but i do think i I, I I think I'm going to give this a five. Uh, I I I really enjoyed this film. I I thought it was just phenomenally directed. Oh, we haven't really talked about it. I thought the score was incredible. The score was uh, very the, good. The, the guitar is so um, it it just really creates the mood both in the the time period in which it's set as well as the emotional tones it's trying to hit. The score's fantastic. So yeah, I. I, I, I think I agree with you on Heath Ledger's performance, but I don't think that does enough for me to take it away from a five. Um, for me, it's four. I, I really like the film. Um, I have no problems with the film. It, I, I, I think maybe I just wasn't watching it in the right mood. Um, I watched it two weeks ago, um, and like I quite late at night because I was like, oh crap, I need to watch uh broke about mountain tomorrow and tesla didn't um yep. so i that's probably just on me um but no i overall incredibly good film brilliant performances uh and yeah no a, a story well told uh so we then move uh, on to the uh Anne, Anne hathaway. hathaway uh performance I, out of five yeah she's sure she's good she's really good i i particularly liked her in that scene like i say um but she's relatively unutilized like yeah. if 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 like uh Michelle Williams as Ennis's wife gets a lot more center stage as their relationship drama uh poses more towards the plot and Hathaway is just sort of there a lot um but uh doesn't have as much of uh, a journey to go on like some of the other characters having said that I think she absolutely smashes it in that that final scene um so I'm going to give her a 4.1 uh, I'll give her a four. I think she's very good. Like you said, underutilized. Um, not too much on there. Uh, we then move on to the uh, Anne Hathaway uh, America's Sweetheart Ometer. Yes. Um, to what extent is she America's Sweetheart in this? I, so here's the thing. I think if we compare this to Havoc, these are both clearly movies where I think a young actress is trying to get away from a princess uh, image. 
Um, uh, she she auditioned for uh, that was my other thing from film context that I forgot to say she auditioned for this role in a ball gown because she came on her lunch break from filming Princess Diaries two. I love that. That's great. <laughs> Which is incredible. Um, um, yes, it's it's trying but to. But I pull think away... this is a much. Yeah. Sorry, going to say. And she's definitely trying to pull away uh, and yeah. and get some of those more uh, serious roles. dramatic roles. Yeah. Um. Uh. To this to pull away that image. Havoc. But much having said that. Havoc. She's she's playing she's playing a cowgirl from the Midwest. Uh, yeah, no, wait, she's from the South. She's from the South. It, but I I I think I think there's a lot. I think this is a higher sweetheartometer than you would expect. Because no, I think she I think she's very 1960s, 1970s, 1980s all American woman. I think she's you know you don't feel the only thing I reason I wouldn't say like she's a five. I would say probably she's a four or three is because um she's very self possessed like. She's not. Uh, I give her a four. I'm gonna give her a four. You give her a four. I, I'll, I'm gonna go for a strong three point five. I'm happy with cool. my three point five. That's 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 the um, you know flexibility that going to sure. point ones does afford me. Um, and then we go for Anne's man's now. So, I've thought about this long and hard. Okay. Uh, importantly, of course. Uh, you know, at a certain point, uh, obviously at the bottom of the list of, he, the, you know, Jack Nasty's not going below this. Of course, uh, Jack Nasty would be the person to put on here. Uh, the bottom of the list, you still have uh, at number 13, Arctic uh, Monkey Boy, at number 12, White Hove, at number 11, Spill Your Seed Mormon. All these people, Jack Nasty is better. Is he better than uh, Prince Party's Pranks and Papier Mache from the Princess Diaries 2? Why, of course he is. <laughs> so then we start entering the actual, like, okay, I, actual I, love I, interest. I, I despise that you, you're trying to get away with reading your whole list. I don't I'm just thinking about it is 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 jack nasty better than prince william and hathaway's japanese crush and nicholas nickleby and the answer is yes he's better than all of those people which takes us in the top five or the top six and uh, really is he better than hugh eats people uh, at the top so this is the top end hugh eats people the best chris and Timothy prince no all right those are those are serious love interests uh not that jack nasty isn't a serious love interest i just don't think that they sexually into each other um or, or if they were for a while and they they aren't certainly by the end of the film uh so the real question is where does he fit with the baron prince andrew and mcswillison and i think i'm gonna put him in at five all right below the baron in the five. cat returns uh but above mcswillison from prince's diaries okay um now when watching this movie uh my girlfriend said that straight men love Jake Gyllenhaal. And, well, I, I am a straight man, and thus I must love Jake Gyllenhaal. And I can't help but feel that my undying man crush on Jake Gyllenhaal is swaying my opinion here. Because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, he was flirting with number one position. Jamie... But but it's I fully it would be a happy marriage. It, it wouldn't, wouldn't be a happy marriage. Yes, and 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 you you have talked me off the cliff here. Thank you. <laughs> thank, and thank you for <gasps> that because I do agree. It 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 would not be. Uh, it would not. He can't go at number one. He can't. He can't beat out Hugh Dancy from Other Enchanted, and he can't beat out Chris Pine from The Princess Diaries too. But can he beat Michael from Princess Diaries one? That fucking damp squib I, of a teenager, I, Jamie. He is the last on my list. I can't believe... Yes, of course he can. I can't believe he's at your number three. Can Can he beat out Duke Ellington or whatever that Duke's actual name Obviously is from Princess Diary 2? Obviously he can. Can he beat out Best Mormon Boy? Of course he can. So, 
<laughs> Unfortunately, Jack Nasty is coming in at number three on the Ans Man's list, which I think is unfortunately just an indictment of the low quality of the majority of Anne's mans thus far. Let's get Anne some better men. I, I love that the difference between my number three and number three is that your number three is a character who has lines, and my number three is the Diamond Thief Prince Prince from Princess Diaries 2. <laughs> I mean, he's dangerous. What can you say? He's dangerous. Um, we never see him on screen. He's only seen on a PowerPoint presentation. What couldn't you love? Um, and with that, of course, we must decide, are you going to stash a away this film obviously yeah very good film definitely go watch it this can this can galvanize humanity towards making less bad decisions and supporting love oh i'll just look up at the sky shall i i'm not waiting for anything don't worry my co-host isn't being rude oh what about you jamie oh, Is, uh, oh, it, oh what's that oh you want to oh you want to my oh that's so sweet um yeah absolutely i think this is this is a really Really, really good, really well-made, well-acted, well-directed, well-scored well movie. And on top of that, the story itself is just... I mean, it, it's its a classic tragedy. You can watch that film and even though they don't do the Shakespearean part of coming at the beginning and saying, by the way, Jake Gyllenhaal gonna die, you can sit there knowing that unfortunately this story, because it's the story it is, is not going to have a happy ending. Um, and... And so that puts a bit you 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 sit there desperately wanting to enjoy the the love that is shown on screen, but it's got a bitter taste because you know how this story ends. Unfortunately, uh, having said that, the person who uh, wrote the short story uh, says she does regret writing writing it because uh, a bunch of people keep sending her fan fiction of uh, either either you know what fan fiction often is or just rewritings of the story to have happy endings uh and she keeps being like fuck off um uh so yes this is a story that um that is 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 the most classic form of tragedy that there can be um and it executes it really 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 well uh Um, jamie the most classic form of tragedy that there can be would involve two extra things. One is a god coming in at the end to make everything better, which doesn't happen. I guess kind of happens. Mm, uh, that's that. Well, not it doesn't happen, but like we have uh, moments afterwards of like emotional reconciliation. Like it doesn't end in the in the Shakespearean sense. We kind of like the bad thing happens in the next scene. Someone shows up and is like. Uh, here's how the world gets back to normal. Um, whereas, I guess, in a more modern sense, we just have some scenes afterwards of them reconciling with the tragedy. The, the classical sense would involve a god showing up and being like, "It's all fixed," <laughs> and there's no god showing up and being like, "It's all fixed." I, I, um, I've changed my opinion about the shit I said in sure. the Bible. So that is the show. Uh, if you thank you for listening, guys. Uh, obviously, <laughs> hi. We don't thank we don't thank them enough. No, we don't just stop right. for guys, a second and go. Start thanks, on the pod stonk. Get on the pod stonk. <laughs> Invest in Hank's Bank. And this this is episode's Blank's Bank. Jeez. This episode began <laughs> with uh Jamie slagging me off for being a sleepy boy. This episode will end with me telling you to go invest all your free space in pod stonks. Alright, it's the future guys, get ready. People are getting off GME. They're getting on. BB, that's right, blanks back.
okay? Invest in blanks bank. Get your friends and family to invest and the price will only go up. Think about how much cooler you'll be when you've been listening to this from the beginning and everyone else in your life also listens to this. They'll be like, wow, they're the cool one with taste. And that will have happened and worked because of the podstonk. So, join us next week when we will be reviewing Hoodwinked, the animated movie about Little Red Riding Hood, with the biggest whiplash we'll ever have in this podcast (laughs) from one movie to another. Uh, So, from me, Jamie, and my co-host, Al, that's one more ep in the bank. No, one more ep. Yes, no, that is what I say. Fuck, I keep forgetting. One more and in the (laughs) man. That's better than the other way around. I, I could have I could have <laughs> done that much worse the other way around, but I didn't by accident. So that's good. There well go. done. All, all well. Well played. Blank spank. <laughs>